Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Uh, hello, and thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. And just a couple of things I'd like to ask you to consider. Firstly, my guests share their personal stories, which others may see differently. No one will see a situation the same. It's just human nature. Uh, secondly, my podcasts aren't suitable for children and some adults for that matter. So please consider if it's right for you and contact Lifeline or any other support service if you find yourself affected by my subject matter. Today's podcast is going to be completely different to any other one I've done and I am going to try and keep myself together uh, but I know I don't have to ask, <laughs> uh, forgive me if uh, I do lose it, I'm sure you understand. Today's completely different because uh, it's very self-indulgent but I know many of you will know or have heard that my husband Lloyd and I have been personally affected by the recent floods in northern Victoria, well, Rochester to be precise. So I thought I'd go away from my theme of exploring the human side and impact of crime just this once and share my experience of surviving a flood of mammoth, unheard of proportions and the impact that it's had not only on my life but so many others. I now have a whole new appreciation and understanding of the communities, particularly around Lismore, for instance, who've survived not only one, but three floods in a matter of months. I cannot imagine the trauma and grief that they've experienced, and I can only say I'm so sorry. Sorry for what you've lost, sorry for everything you've endured, Sorry for how this has affected you and will in the future. Sorry for losing what you've worked so hard for because now I truly understand and can empathise. I am now going through what you've been through too many times and I don't actually know how you've come back. I feel lost. I feel like I've lost everything where in fact I've lost a lot but certainly not everything. I feel like I've lost what 
oh dear, I'm not even through the first paragraph, <laughs> but I feel I've lost what my husband and I have worked so hard for and dreamed of. I know things will improve, but at the moment, it's how I feel. As I write this, the beautiful piece of paradise that my husband and I have renovated and improved over the years to exactly what we'd always dreamed of now looks like a house where ghosts could live. It resembles a house which... Oh, gee, I'm not going well here at all, am I? (laughs) Oh, take a breath, Narelle. It resembles a house which has been left to rot, unloved and uncared for and basically trashed. That is not my home. It's like a tornado has gone through the place. Well, it was in a way, but that tornado was a raging torrent of water which was unimaginable even the day before. This angry raging river took everything in its path and dumped it in places you just can't imagine. It's like some giant jaws have picked up anything in its path and just dumped it wherever it felt like, in treetops, in tree branches, on neighbours' properties, on the roadside, on rooftops, in the middle of paddocks, lodged in fences, nowhere near your own. It's a devastation that I have trouble describing. And then there's the mud and the slush, the stinking, wet, sticky mud full of mosquitoes. Our little river pre-flood, the Campaspe, pretty much surrounded our house. We could see it from every single room in our house, including the toilet. It's hard to describe. We were like on a little island sort of thing. On the west side was the gently flowing Campaspe and an actuary flowed from the Campaspe around the north and east of our house, giving us water views to die for of an evening. Uh, We'd sit and watch the sunset and the water, uh, which mirrored the most beautiful colours of the sunsets and the magnificent old gum trees, many hundreds of years old. It was, like I said, it was like we lived on an island. Uh, The Campaspe is a beautiful, peaceful, quiet river where families would come and camp on. They'd fish, they'd meander along the river on a little putt-putt. They'd go kayaking, uh, you know, they'd return to a campfire of a night watching the beautiful sunsets. An all-nighter was considered to be 10 p.m. Personal watercrafts, PWCs, uh, or ski boats aren't suitable for our river, (laughs) thank goodness. It was just magic, apart from the thousands of corellas who would seasonally congregate in trees close to our house and enjoy our part of the river too. Oh, my God, they would do my head in. Uh, They've been in plague proportions up here, but I know we aren't alone and somehow we just have to learn to live with them. And they're constant ear-piercing squawking. People actually love Corellas. I don't quite get it. Uh, It's one of the few negatives about where we live. In the week leading up to the day that we evacuated, there were concerns and rumours about a wet weather event looming, which would bring rain like we hadn't seen since the floods of 2011. We survived those floods, although Lloyd lost just about everything in his shed as the river levels reached heights that the locals hadn't experienced since the 70s. We'd been evacuated by tractor in 2011, uh, 
as everyone had been caught off guard. It all just seemed to happen really quickly. We drove down to my sister's in Melbourne. We stayed a few days and we were back in the house within a week. Uh, yes, we had some work to do on clearing uh, debris. Uh, the mud and sludge um, a short time later with the damage only really to the outside of our house and my husband's shed. It probably took, oh, I don't know, six, eight months to get the place looking nice again. It was such an unusual event that we often showed visitors a marker that we'd put on the wall of Lloyd's shed showing off how high the river had reached. Nobody could actually quite believe it, including us. Uh, it was chest height. Um, it was in- incomprehensible all those years later uh, that the water had reached that height. Those levels paled into insignificance to pe- compared to what we've just gone through in the last couple of weeks. So due to our experience with 2011, we thought we'd learned and knew what was required in regards to preparation, etc. We put uh, a new extension on the house in 20, oh, was it 16 or 17? My mind's gone at the moment. <laughs> and we decided to go higher than the original part of the house, sort of like a mezzanine or a split level, so that we could park our cars under the house. And as it turned out, that extra half a metre height actually saved us from losing everything, our whole house this time, rather than two-thirds of it. So we decided to go the whole hog and also renovate the old part of the house, opening that up to be this huge living dining area, uh, floor-to-ceiling windows. Uh, it, it was everything we dreamed of and more. Um we had a, also had an extreme landscape makeover, uh, again, just sort of showing off the beautiful vista that uh, we'd created. So about a week before what I refer to as Armageddon, uh, we learned of the likelihood that the Campaspe would flood, but not one person I know ever believed in their wildest dreams that it would reach the heights of 2011. I don't think any weather expert expected it either. We had, uh, Lloyd and I had an evacuation plan, which we thought was a reasonable one. Uh, I'd prepared a box with a, you know, a few essentials if we ever had to evacuate again, like we did in 2011. You know, so on a USB, I'd put in document, uh, I'd, uh, what do you call, imported, uh, important documents which I'd scanned, you know, there were torches and batteries, uh, a a battery wireless or radio uh, and some clothes and some shoes. I don't know how I'd survive with one pair of shoes, but I had to make a decision. It was torture. I could have taken around 10 pairs of shoes, but I thought, which I thought would have been essential, (laughs) but in reality... It was ridiculous. So for the women out there, imagine choosing one pair of shoes to take anywhere. Yes, one pair. Incredibly difficult. And I chose a pair of sneakers. So in 2011, we didn't have the warnings that we did this time. So we were confident that we had it under control. A few days before the full force of the water came, Lloyd and I started discussing if the water did get a bit high when we would go. We'd started putting sticks in the ground where the edge of the river had reached, something we'd learned from our neighbours and experienced during the 2011 flood. 
we'd put a stick in the ground and you could see how far the river had risen by how far the stick was underwater. Yes, it wasn't the most scientific of levels, <laughs> but it certainly gave us an indication of how far and fast the river was rising. Everyone up here seems to know or use the stick method. Uh, the river was rising slowly, uh, but nothing which concerned us to any great length or anyone else for that matter. Uh, so we both discussed if we'd stay, but agreed that we wouldn't because we didn't want to put any emergency service personnel or friends for that matter, their safety in jeopardy. So on the Wednesday, the 12th of October, we began having disagreements about when we should leave. The reports of the river levels were becoming increasingly concerning and the word evacuation was just starting to be discussed around the town with more urgency on the radio and social media. Lloyd thought that we should leave the Wednesday, which was the 12th, just to be on the safe side, but I thought that he was being overly cautious. Uh we finally decided that we'd leave the following day, the Thursday, if it got any worse. As reports were becoming more frequent and more urgent about the river levels, we talked about it ad nauseum with our neighbours too. And most of them have lived in this part of the world most of their lives. And they weren't concerned or very, they weren't concerned like Lloyd and I were. So we sort of thought maybe we were overreacting. In fact, I think they probably thought that we were being a little bit over the top about even considering leaving. However, official reports kept coming, as did the warnings that the Camp Paspi and Murray would flood. It was just how high and how fast they weren't sure. Again, no one but no one was expecting the level to reach the 2011 peak. By this stage, we'd moved everything that we thought may be impacted up into Lloyd's new shed, which he'd purposely had built a metre above ground as he didn't want to lose everything as he had in 2011. We moved our ride-on mower, other expensive and essential machinery, chainsaws, line trimmers, uh, normal mowers, bicycles, all this just in case, <laughs> but felt again, that we were probably overreacting. We wanted to protect what we perceived as essential or what we didn't want to lose if it happened to be as serious as slowly some were starting to predict. I know I keep sounding like a broken record, but no one, but no one could have ever predicted what happened. On the Thursday morning, we woke up and things just didn't feel right. It was like something big was looming, just a feeling that we got in the pit of our stomachs, which we couldn't describe. But as it turned out, many others had that feeling too. We both got up and looked at the river and it was still rising, but it was slow. It was sort of like a silent, looming disaster and it was pouring with rain. I'm not sure why, but it just seemed quite sudden that we both decided We'd better put that last stuff that we wanted to get up off the ground into Lloyd's shed and we'd better leave. And we were both in furious agreement. I'd had a suitcase open and on the spare bed with a small pile of clothes for each of us, which I was slowly adding to during the week. You'll be pleased to know this time I packed three pairs of shoes. Looking back, 
maybe I wasn't packing the case properly and ready to go because subconsciously that would, I suppose, admit that we were in trouble. And again, I felt like I was overreacting, even even having a case on the bed. <laughs> uh, it was just, you know, packing a suitcase, I suppose, was a reality. So at 10.30 on Thursday, so this is now the 13th of October, we drove out of our property separately because we weren't sure what to do with both our cars. Lloyd wanted to stay somewhere close by and he had in mind staying at the local Victoria Hotel in Elmore and I didn't really mind because it was only going to be for a few days until things settled down, um, until the flood emergency had passed and we could return uh, to our property and probably have, you know, to do a bit of a clean up. We, we accepted that. But as we drove out our driveway, we could see how quickly the river was rising and Already it was across the road and across our driveway. And looking back, I reckon another 15 or 20 minutes, and I don't think we could have got out. I don't think we could have driven out of our driveway. It was then that I realised maybe this was going to be serious, not just talk and chatter. We would have been marooned had we stayed that further 15 or 20 minutes, absolutely. And as we drove out of our house and onto the road into Elmore, I was really shocked at the water across the roads and there were times I knew that we both shouldn't be driving through the water because it was flowing across the road, but we couldn't go back, so we had to go forward. We met outside the pub in Elmore and that's when I found out that Lloyd hadn't made a booking. He just assumed we'd be right. There was no point in saying anything because really what was the point? because it was booked out. So we had to find elsewhere and a bit of anxiety crept into my psyche, thinking, what if everyone is thinking like us and trying to find accommodation quickly? Elmore, a quiet little town of about 900, nestled high on the banks of the Campaspe, is halfway between Bendigo and Echuca, and it's got a few little shops, including the very popular Elmore Bakery. It's become a little too popular of late for me. <laughs> uh, we also have a cute little railway station where the post office staff master still writes out a ticket for the train. <laughs> uh, the publican at the Victoria, he told us that he was booked out because many from Rochester had booked into the hotel, obviously having the same idea we had, but earlier. <laughs> we stood outside, not quite knowing what to do or where to go, as we didn't have a plan B. The Victoria was rarely booked out. Funny how where one person loses, another gains. Uh, we hadn't counted on having to leave for anything more than a few days, so we hadn't really considered staying with anyone, although the offers came in thick and fast afterwards. But we were stressed anxious and felt like we needed to be on our own. On a whim, we both decided let's head up to Echuca and we'll just find a motel for a couple of nights. But as we both drove north, there just seemed to be a huge amount of traffic coming from Echuca and we were heading that way. And we decided maybe we need to consider a plan C. So we both pulled over into Rochester and decided to make a few calls to some motels in Bendigo, as Echuca probably wasn't the brightest call we'd made. 
because if the river was going to flood, the Murray might also flood and we needed to be heading away from the water, not towards it. So arriving in the main street of Rochester was like being hit over their head with a cricket bat. All the town shops and some of the houses close to the town. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Had sandbags and plastic tarps up over the front doors, around the sides of their properties, and it really shocked us because living out of town where we do in such an isolated area, we had been spared really all the panic and commotion of people filling sandbags and protecting uh, their properties. It was like we're in a bubble where we live. We'd heard people were placing sandbags around their homes and uh, shops for protection, but it, it was a shock to actually see it. We don't have a TV, so we'd rely on Facebook and radio reports, but nothing could have prepared us for what we saw in Rochester. It was the embodiment of a country town all pulling together, all supporting and helping helping each other. It's like people had come from everywhere. It made me feel incredibly proud to be involved and a small part of this community, but also 
extremely emotional seeing what I was seeing or what we were seeing. But we had our own issues. We needed to find some accommodation because by now it was starting to sink in that maybe it was as serious and concerning as had been reported. This was like nothing I'd ever seen before and the rain just seemed to be getting heavier. It was consistently heavy. So we sat in my car and we made a few calls. The places we rang were all full. But just as we started losing hope that we might not find something, I happened to snag the very last room at a motel in Bendigo. And so with a heavy heart and feeling like we were abandoning a sinking ship, we drove our separate cars towards Bendigo. By this stage, the rain was torrential and the sheer amount of people helping all the businesses in town uh, brought a tear to my eye and a big bloody lump in my throat. I was just so shocked. It was like Armageddon was looming. It was just a feeling we all had. I saw a friend working in the local news agency and everyone was pretty upbeat at that point, thinking that they may have dodged a bullet. My friend said her husband and son were at home uh, getting stuff, stuff up off the floor. But there wasn't panic. It was just people doing what they felt they needed to to keep everything safe safe and up off the floor, just in case. There would have been, I don't know, maybe a hundred people in the main street, all working together, placing sandbags at the front of all the shops. It's like everyone was like in a saving the town mode. So Lloyd was following me and we headed off to Bendigo, the opposite direction to Echuca. The water over the road was becoming really concerning and in the back of my mind was the constant warning from every emergency service known to man, do not drive through floodwaters. But with the amount of water on the roads, we felt we didn't have a choice. We were driving through floodwaters, which were spilling across the main highway. But as I said before, we couldn't go back. We could only go forward as we had to get to our accommodation. And as we got closer to Bendigo, the flood waters were becoming raging rivers across the highway. And I was frightened to actually be driving through it. But also we couldn't pull over or I couldn't pull over because it was too dangerous due to like there were visibility issues uh, with the heavy rain. And besides, it was hard to know where the road was. And I also couldn't turn around. At one point, I found a place, well, reasonably safe, and I pulled over and I rang Lloyd to say that I didn't know what to do. I'd come across another particular point in the road, which was actually a raging torrent, a raging river across what I assumed was a road. Lloyd found me and we found a way around the water on the road, but my goodness, it was stressful. So we finally got to our accommodation in Bendigo and I wanted, and I, I do want to put a plug in here for the Quality Inn in Bendigo, also known as the Lakeside Motel in Bendigo. We greeted them in gumboots, saturated and stressed. We got up to our room and it was such a relief to be somewhere clean, private and dry. The room wasn't ready for us, so we went into town and had a countery. We finally settled into our room and we actually thought it was Christmas that night <laughs> because we had a TV. 
It is such a novelty. Simple things. <laughs> and we watched the night away. I mean, how couldn't you feel better after watching an hour of Kath and Kim? It was a welcome distraction to what was happening at home. We had a friend who lived close by to our house who lived on one of the few properties in the area which was always going to be safe from being flooded. So he was our eyes and ears. He couldn't get near our place the Friday or Saturday, but managed to on the Sunday and reports weren't good. He could only reach our house by tractor and couldn't get too close to the house, but he could see the water was up to chest level. He suggested that he might be able to get us close to the house to have a look if we wanted to. And yeah, we did. I mean, I was hesitant, but I also wanted to have a look. So he, he said that we'd have to go in by tractor and he was game if we were. Uh, as I said, I was a bit nervous, but had to face reality. So we met him at his machinery shed and he organised for a, a crate to be put on the front of his tractor and he could transport us that way. WorkSafe would have had a field day with our safety precautions, uh, i.e. none, <laughs> but we were desperate to see our house, how our house had fared. Our house uh, was or is on stilts and high above the ground and had uh, just escaped damage to our house in the 2011 floods. However, as I said, Lloyd's sheds had been totaled. So in our minds, we were prepared for the worst, i.e. Lloyd losing everything in his shed again. But as we got closer to the house, we realised that it was much worse than 2011, if that was possible. There was a dread in the pit of my stomach and we were both emotional and hugging each other as we got closer to our house. Talk about romantic. <laughs> as our friend uh, tracked us in, we were in thigh-length water, but from 50 metres away, it appeared possible our house may have escaped being inundated with water. However, as we got closer to the house, we were met with the reality that I'd been dreading. Our house hadn't escaped the deluge of water at all. We could see the water was beginning to recede, but everything we'd put up on our veranda was filthy, muddy, covered in sludge and stank to high heaven. I saw items that we'd put up on the veranda, veranda for safety. They weren't there. My beloved wine barrel that we'd sat around on our new deck with our friends over many wines, probably too many, uh, which I'd wanted for what seemed like forever, watching those beautiful sunsets, that was just gone, as was my large pot of parsley at my back door. Uh, some cane chairs, uh, boxes of bits and pieces, some plants, but there were also many items which had been moved, which had been tipped up, tipped over, and we found items on our veranda which weren't even ours. <laughs> uh, we'd gained chairs, a heap of trees, logs, furniture lodged in uh, what appeared to be in the treetops. It was literally like a hurricane had gone through the place. That's when we saw the watermark on the outside wall of the house indicating where the water had reached. It was about 10 inches above floor level, which meant... It had obviously gone through the bottom part of the house, which is our main living area, kitchen, bathroom, office and a bedroom. About four years ago, we'd put on that extension, as I said, I think before making it split level, which basically doubled the size of our house. 
and we could see that the top part, the new part of the house, hadn't been affected. We tried to open our back door and couldn't as it had expanded to the point where it didn't open. We managed somehow to get it open and I couldn't believe what I saw as I walked in. The whole floor was like a brown carpet, yet when we'd left the Thursday, it was beautiful wooden floorboards. The floorboards had begun to buckle and all the furniture, which we hadn't lifted up because there's no way, this is what we were thinking, (laughs) that a flood would reach the height of the house. But all the furniture uh, had marks indicating where the water had been. And I opened one cupboard in the kitchen and water poured out onto the floor. I just closed the cupboard and walked out. I just couldn't deal with what I was seeing. All the work we'd put into the house and to be confronted with this mess wasn't easy to deal with. It was heartbreaking. It just didn't feel like our house. Prior to this day, we would never have considered walking into our house with dirty shoes on. Even a smidge of mud or dirt and we'd clean it up straight away. It was always a clean and tidy house. Not perfect by any means, but we did take pride in our little piece of paradise. Now you wouldn't bother taking off the muddiest of shoes. So the three of us, that's Lloyd, myself and our friend, just came to the same conclusion at the same time. There's nothing that we can do. Let's just leave. And we'll reassess when the water recedes to the point we can actually drive into the house rather than be tracked in. We learned the river had reached its peak the Friday night, so it was receding by the day. So on the Tuesday morning, the 18th of October we're at now, uh, we were able to drive into our house and start to assess the damage. As we drove down our driveway that first time after the floods, it was like driving through a war zone. There was rubbish from upstream littered all over our driveway, the paddocks. There were water tanks stuck in fences. Huge trees had been uprooted, barbecues, tables, chairs. It was like a junkyard. The fences were covered in rubbish, muck, sludge, and you could still see stuff in the trees, like high up in the trees. The water had reached about 2.5 metres from the ground. It was incredible in one sense how high the water had reached and the devastation that it had left in its path. The first sign of the extent of the damage to our house came as we drove through our gates and saw Lloyd's old shed, the one that he was going to sell after having had the new one built. The walls of this shed were curled up like when, like you, you'd open a can of something with a can opener. Such must have been the force of the water. It had uprooted the concrete footings from the shed and nothing had been saved or spared. Contents from this shed were missing and or strewn over the front lawn and later found lodged in trees. Only yesterday, three weeks after the floods, a neighbour found a plastic box of stuff belonging to Lloyd, which had been in that shed, on some of his land, which would, I don't know, might be two kilometres from our house. Strangely enough, the box must have floated as it was in perfect condition with the contents about the only dry thing within a 10k radius, yet our huge and full water tanks 
were dislodged and contaminated due to the tops having been uh, dislodged and missing. So from there, everywhere we went was the same. Everything was covered in brown sludge. The mosquitoes were in mosquito heaven with uh, some, I swear you could carry away a human being with, or a couple, I reckon you could have strapped a saddle to one of them and it could have beaten the horse I backed in the Melbourne Cup. Uh, And the stench, oh my God, it was horrendous. Lloyd's new shed, remembering that he'd built, had it built one metre off the ground, was knee high in mud and nothing, and I mean nothing, had been spared in that shed. Nothing was salvageable apart from, I don't know, maybe a shifter, a few spanners, and would you believe a calculator, (laughs) which Lloyd found under a pile of sludge. He turned it on and it worked. (laughs) It was the only bright or half-amusing point in that day. As we made our way over to the house, we could see the huge amount of debris and rubbish under the house. Our water tanks, three of which held nine and a half thousand litres each and full to overflowing, had shifted about two metres and the pipes connecting them all had been snapped in half. And also due to the tops of the water tanks no longer being there, it meant that all that rainwater we'd collected and bragged about to all that would listen were contaminated and would have to be drained. You cannot imagine the destruction under the house and all the debris and items which had been caught under there. There are also another two um, huge, um, what would you call uh, corrugated iron tanks, and they had 20,000 litres each, and they were also contaminated, and they had also been moved. Uh, We had a better look inside the house this day, but it was hard to take it all in. By this stage, the phone calls and messages from friends and others concerned about us became overwhelming and I just couldn't respond to them all. I just couldn't comprehend what we were seeing ourselves, let alone trying to explain it to others. And there's the beauty of social media. I was able to put out a generic message to say that I was reading and listening to every uh, message, which I was, but I couldn't keep up with it all. And and this really helped a lot to be able to say that. Uh, The Rochester community page on Facebook also became like a Bible. Uh, It was providing updates, water levels, health information, where to find anything you wanted, like boxes, mozzie repellent. Um, It told us about where we could get brooms and mops, which were being donated, where rubbish collections were, were, where we could find food because people had nowhere. They had nowhere to cook food or their food that they had had been washed away. People didn't have any clothing. Um, It also told us where we could go for help, advice and support. And look, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty, I think I'm right in saying there's only one or two women who run the page and they were doing a great job under enormous pressure with their own houses being impacted. Uh, People were wanting to come and help, ask them where they could go, where they need, where they were needed. What did we need? What could they bring? But what was needed was somebody to organise all this. I thought an interesting post on the Rochi community page was asking people to go to links that they were suggesting because there was nowhere in Rochi to hold or store the enormous amount of items people wanting to donate because everyone had been affected. 
I heard that there were about 10 houses in Rochi out of hundreds, probably thousands, that weren't affected. Such was the devastation. But that's what was going on in Rochi. Even if we'd wanted to, we couldn't get to Rochi because it was cut off from the rest of the world and us. In our little community along our road, of which there might be, I don't know, 20 people, most were up at a neighbour's who had lost everything. Hey, it's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave a rating and even a review and please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A T R E O N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.